Hey everyone, welcome to Mia's Corner where we talk all things creative. Today with me I have a very special guest, Billboard chart-topping, award-winning Christian hip-hop artist, multi-platinum producer, curator of G3 Radio, and executive producer of The Jammies, MC Nice. Welcome. Hey, what's up? How you doing over there? Awesome. Thank you for coming on. And I'm sure you don't need an introduction, but I just want you to talk about your experience as an artist and producer in the industry and how you've gotten to where you've been so far. Um, well, I mean, I've been in the music business for about 20 years. So um, I started out as a Christian hip hop artist. And um, but back then, the church wasn't really receptive of Christian rap. It was like, oh, that's the devil's music. I'm like, but I'm rapping for God. What do you mean? You know what I mean? And uh, so ultimately, I ended up going to the uh, secular side of music where I produced Tupac. I produced Nas, um, Casey and Joe, Aaron Hall, six motion picture soundtracks. One won an Oscar movie yes. called Crash right here. You know what I mean? And um so, uh, but I was I was fortunate enough to be on the soundtrack of uh, five other movies. One of them, one of uh, one of them is uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith with Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. So it was a song. Uh, it was I was in a group called Kansas Cali. We were like an alternative rock group that had rap. So we like alternative rock and rap. And then from there, um, group went on for a good amount, a good bit, and then uh, ended up uh, doing a solo record with an actress called Stacy Dash. So we put out a record. And um, and then from there, God was like, yo, I need you to take your talents, uh, all the things that you learned in the music business and bring it on over to the uh, Christian hip hop world and um, get back to your roots, you know, and help and help uh, build a genre that really needs uh, some some uh, some some form of leadership. I got to learn the music business from um, from an artist standpoint. Um, I was vice president of a record company that was on Warner and Universal. Um, so I got to learn from as an executive of a label how that works. And then at the same time, um, I, I, you know, I understood that you needed marketing. And a lot of times records don't really do well that are good records is because they lack marketing. You know what I mean? And so one of the things that I wanted to do was bring that energy into uh, the culture that I'm in. Awesome. Yeah. So from the label perspective, uh, when you were producing with these big artists, uh, did you feel like negotiating your masters, you didn't have enough leverage at the moment? Or how did you feel about that? And did you feel like you got your fair share within like the royalty scheme of the tracks? I look at it from a different perspective. I didn't care about the masters. <clears throat> For me, it was about getting on. You right. know what I mean? When we did Crash, um, we didn't really get paid up front for that. But the opportunity was there it was like, yo, we have an opportunity to get on a film. We didn't even know the film was going to win to be nominated for an Oscar, you know, or Golden Globes and the all the other awards. We just wanted to get on a film, you know, and so we ended up making sacrifices, got on the film, boom, it wins an Oscar. So we can now we, we still maintain our royalties. We may not have owned the masters, but we still maintain the royalties off of it. Right. So Crash comes out. And then the the DR uh, we did a music video. <clears throat> they put the music video in the special features, and the DVD does ten million units. You right. see what I mean? So mm -hmm. for you know, at some point, you know, I, I hear a lot of people talk about, well, I need my masters, I need my masters, I need my masters. But at the end of the day, you ain't got nothing to begin with. So you know, if you're a creator, and all you do is create, 
what's what's sacrificing four or five songs or or ten songs to get put into place to make millions? That's when it comes to even Kanye, where he's like, "Well, I need my masters back. I need my masters. They they slaving me." But I'm like, these are the same people that made you a billionaire. Right. He'll say he did it on his own, but you still needed help to get, you know, you, nobody ever makes it on their own. There's always some type of help, you know, whether you refuse to acknowledge the delivery dude or you refuse to acknowledge the graphic design people that you hire. Because guess what? If they was terrible in graphic design, you wouldn't look right. Right. You know what I'm saying? So uh, all this, uh, I don't I don't always say I make it on my own. I, I believe it's a team. Um, if that helps you win. When people think of, uh, I'm going to say, Microsoft, you think Bill Gates, right? But, I mean, look at, what's his name? Bomber. He just bought the Clippers for $2 billion. He was on the executive board of directors. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, just because you see one person up there don't mean the team didn't help them make that happen. So that I'm, I'm one of them dudes. So I'm all about if I can empower you with knowledge, empower you. There's a book, The 22 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, right? So it's like, I think one of the laws is like uh, uh, the makings of a great leader is one that can help build other leaders, even if those leaders are greater leaders than you. You see what I'm saying? So I'm in the leader building game. That's awesome. So many gems you just dropped. Uh, so do you think that mindset is what got you into rooms with big artists like Tupac, like Nas, like Casey Haley, like so many that you've worked with? Do you think it was that mindset that got you there? Yeah, because people normally go off your resume. So my, my strategy was build the resume and the dollars will come. So whenever I get on camera or, or whenever I'm talking about what I did, yeah, I'm happy to announce four-time multi-platinum producer. You know what I'm saying? Because that, that means something. I'm happy to announce stellar award-winning. You know what I mean? That means something. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, I built uh, what they call intellectual property first. You know what I mean? And then uh, now, um, now I'm starting to attain you know, uh, the wealth uh, because I put myself in position to be worth something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So since you've been in the industry for like over 20 years, you've seen the digital era come into play, hip hop evolve. How do you think, what's your opinion of the way it's evolving with, you know, digital distributors, streaming and everything that's going on? Well, what it did was take the power out of the hands of the labels. That's why they all trying to consolidate. But well, we need to we need to form the wall. You know what I mean? <laughs> what it does is it opened up opportunities for artists um, to do their own thing, you know, to have their own thing. But the problem is they're missing the old school way of doing it. So yeah, you can have your own label, you can you can have your own production, but it still takes marketing, and there's still a marketing strategy for that. It still takes you know servicing radio, still takes servicing getting publicists to service magazine and print. Like you can't just go, yo, I did a million streams or two million streams on Spotify, and that's it, you know. Uh, so I think the digital age allowed more CEO or allowed more independents to become CEOs. Yeah. Uh, so working with the artists you've worked with, how did it influence your own artistry and your creative process? Like, did you learn any tips and tricks, obviously from like other producers and big artists that you've worked with? You're a big artist yourself, but how did that kind of craft your artistry in your own right? 
well, nobody's ever great without studying the greats. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? When you think about Kobe, um, rest in peace, Kobe. You think about Kobe, he studied Jordan. He studied uh, Bill Oscar Robinson. He studied, and he implemented some of their game into his own, which made him great. And so for me, when it comes to um, hip hop, like I studied Rakim, I studied LL, I studied Run DMC, I studied Jay-Z. Heck, I'm studying the new artists that come out because <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what makes them <clears throat> crack right now and who they are and figuring out how can I still be me while implementing some of the trends. If you don't follow the trends, then you're not gonna win anyway. You have to, you have to, you have to under, follow the trends, understand the trends and then put you in it, you know? Right, make it your own. Yeah, so how did you go about learning producing? Like, did you go to school for it? Uh, how did you get into that? Um, I watched, uh, one of my mentors is a, a fat DJ Fat Jack, who's like a big time underground producer here in Los Angeles. And um, you just watch different people. You, I watched him produce. I watched uh, DJ Slip produce, who's like a, a, a well-known producer here in LA. You know what I mean? Like I watched them and and, and learned how they was, you know, uh, um, cutting drums and snares and you know taking samples and doing their own little thing. And then you you know it, practice. It comes with practice. You know, same with rhyming. When I learned how to rap, it was just okay. At first, I was. I was rock him and then I became uh KRS one and then I became Jay-Z, you know, but until I became MC nice. And so right. um that was the that was the move. So you know, I'm all for studying artists because that's the only way you're gonna get good or get become great is to study the greats. You know, right. and if somebody compares, like people be like, Oh, well, you kind of got that Tupac vibe, means that's a compliment to me. Yeah, yeah, because if it doesn't resonate with your spirit, you ain't gonna buy the record. Exactly. Right. So that's why I kind of think like nowadays with everything being so accessible, there's like mm -hmm. uh, Ableton training, logic training. Do you think that kind of loses the spark of the creativity almost when you make it like a lesson to like learn production from like, you know, these YouTubers and so technical? Well, I, I, I think it's important to at least understand the beginnings, like the nuances, like understand what a metronome is understand what an eight count is, understand what a four count is, you know, understand what loops are, like get the basic understanding. I, I think it's like, even like college, when you go to college, they'd be like, yo, you need that basic education first. Mm -hmm. You need English, you need to, you need to, before you can even go into your, uh, to your math, to your uh, degreed uh, situation, you, you gotta still do the basic. Well, now that you did English in, 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 in high school, well, we need you to do English one-on-one. Right. Like, but I speak very well. What do you mean I need to do that? So um, so I think when it comes to music, you have to do that as a producer. Understand what those things, what a kick drum is, what the frequencies, how it resonates. So that way, when you produce and you know how to cut those, you know, make records that cut when it comes to rapping or writing songs, study the, the Diane Warrens of the world. Why did they write so many number one hits? What was the formula in that? And you know, what I mean, if you I got this thing in business, you know, uh, it's in business is a SWOT and, uh, analytics, right? So um, normally when an investor wants to invest in your business, they say, do you understand your SWOT analytics? S-W-O-T, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, right? So anytime you, you form in a business, do you understand the strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats? So that way, if a, um, if a situation comes about and, you're, and, you're, and your business is in trouble, 
well, you know how to troubleshoot. So I took that that theory and brought it over to myself. What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What are my opportunities? And then I analyze me. So now when it comes to the, um, the business, I analyze, okay, I'm going into the Christian hip hop field. What are their strengths? What is this? How can I you know, uh, get in? So when it comes to beat making, same thing. Analyze it from a SWAT standpoint. When it comes to writing songs, studying people, when you have the knowledge, you can be, uh, you can be great, real great. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I keep saying that because so many good points. I can listen back to this and take notes because that's how I am. <laughs> but <That's dope. laughs> yeah. So uh, how did you go about, you kind of spoke that you worked on the business side and the creative side. How did you go about building these relationships within the industry to where they were like solid relationships, like real uh, and so on? Because, you know, in, in, in this game, <clears throat> people come and go quickly. Right. You know, um, I'm God bless me, fortunate enough to be in this industry and still be striving in this. I mean, thriving in this industry, but people come and go. It's the relationship I had with the dude that was pushing the broom or taking out the, uh, the you know, the, the, he was like the janitor or she was just like the secretary. Well, now she's the executive VP of this and he's right. the executive whatever. And they remember me being treating them like as if they were just you know, regular stand-up people, you know, and, and, and I made it a point to make sure that everybody's important, no matter who it is or what it is, it's important because it's a voice. You know, you get to, you get to, you get to state your voice, they get to state their voice. And, and at the, at the end of the day, if you're compassionate enough and, and, and you understand these folks, just like they understand you, they'll ride with you all the way through. Yeah, well, definitely. So uh, getting into your music, uh, how was creating in the, I think you said like rock hip hop space um, versus the Christian space? Like how did your creative process differ in those spaces? Well, I've always been Christian to the heart. So even when I wasn't doing records for the Lord, I was still being positive dude. Like I don't drink, I don't smoke. I know that's kind of like strange. Um, never drink, never smoke, right? So that's even more strange. And, um, and, and, and so my life has always been uh, about like uh, stuff, things, stuff people go through or love. Like I got a book out called 50 Shades of Love uh, and L-O-V-E, cause I'm good with uh, acronyms, learning mm -hmm. our various emotions. So I believe that in everything we have, in everything we do in life, we have to learn. So why is love any different? But in everything we do in life, there's an emotion behind it. So if I say something that's really dope, you're gonna have this emotional reaction like, yo, that's dope, that's positive. Or if I say something really foul, you're gonna be like, this dude, whatever. So if I learn the emotions that govern you, I could therefore love, right? Because I would be learning. It's when you stop learning, you stop loving. So that was a little sidebar on the book, right? And so, uh, so for me, um, that's you know that's that's what it was about. That's powerful. Um the acronym and everything. Um, so yeah, I was gonna ask because you're Christian and in the industry, do you feel like there was a moral conflict or is there still because like out in LA, they say like networking is drinking, like you have to be a drinker to network. That's essentially what it is. So do you feel like that ever like, you know, is a conflict? Jesus hung out with the gangsters. Jesus hung out with the thugs, you know what I'm saying? So it wasn't about him going in and preaching to them in regards to, yo, you need your, you all in sin. No, he was like, this is who I am. This is what I believe. You know what I mean? And uh, 
and 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 I just show you that there's an alternative way, but I don't come in and disrupt. People now, when I come around the homies, they be like, "Oh, oh we can't drink." Oh, no, 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 don't drink because you know what I mean. They give me that respect, you know. So, and I don't be like, "Yo, y'all can't drink, y'all can't do whatever," because I just go pray for them at the end of the day. I be like, "Yo, Lord, please pray for the homies, you know, help them." You know what I mean? I, I give them that, but at the end of the day, for me, we in that we in the business where you have to network. And and not all of it, this is the music business. My attorney, I was saying uh, earlier, my attorney says, in this game, you never get what you deserve, you get what you negotiate. You know what I mean? <laughs> so true. for me, it's like, you know, at the end of the day, you, you, we can break bread, you're gonna do what you're gonna do, but the bottom line is, my core focus is on positive and being positive. And anything I do from a business standpoint is gonna have positive energy. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned you worked in the music business. I know you talked about that. You learned a lot about marketing. What other like business, like industry things did you learn that you wouldn't have learned as just like an artist working at, as like an executive? Yeah. Well, working as an executive, you know, there are some things that you don't know, like these record companies have relationships with the, with the retail stores, with the, even right now they got relationships with Spotify, you know what I mean? So and, you know, even though Spotify may appear to be what it is, there's still relationships with record companies that I'm sure there's some other shenanigans going on behind the scenes that we don't know about, you know, but as an artist, you wouldn't know that. But as an executive, I know. So that allows me to uh, make moves accordingly. So I go, OK, if I know that, you know, uh, and that all boils back down to the SWAT. See, the SWAT is what is the SWAT of, you know, of this? And I studied these things. And then uh, the opportunities is that one thing that you take advantage of. Well, here's the opportunities that I can take advantage of in this situation. And then you may, you apply those and you end up winning. I mean, every situation is not, um, is not 100% just free will. All these people think that is not that. Good news. Welcome to the good news segment of the show where I shout out brands, artists, songwriters, and all the alike and anything they have going on. Good news. Young Kobe's new and unreleased album, Blessings and Lessons, features artists like YBN Almighty J, 24 Hours, Quinn NFN, and more. Blessings and Lessons was engineered by multi-platinum producer and recording engineer BWA Mills, who works closely with Kevin Gates and BWA while also adding in the Grammy-nominated producer Mike West, who worked on a previous Janet Aiko release and formulated the beat and mixing on At The Mud. Young Kobe worked closely with a private investor to create his own record label called Too Much Pressure Entertainment. As he is building his own brand, he is connecting other indie artists to the rap game. Follow up with Young Kobe at 1YoungKobe on Instagram. That's number 1. Y-U-N-G-C-O-B-Y. One Young Kobe on Instagram to see his upcoming releases as well as his previously released work. This has been good news. So what made you want to, because uh, from your story, it sounded like you were an artist and then you became like an executive and then you went back into like the artist space. Uh, most people would probably like want to stay in that like executive role because it's just like a different brain, you know, you're in a different space. What made you still want to stay true to the artistry and go back into the music? Well, I'm still an executive. So um, I'm an executive with my own situation. It's <laughs> a little different. So now I know how to be applicable from an executive and artist uh, standpoint. Right. So don't, you know, in, 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 in analyzing that, I know where I can capitalize on. And so 
And that's what I do. I apply myself in that fashion with the understanding of what it's like to be an executive, with the understanding of what it's like to be an artist, with the understanding of what it's like to be, you know, to do marketing. So once I have that um, situation, then at the end of the day, when I'm when I'm making moves, I have all these three components in my head. So I make moves differently from, you know, other artists. Yeah. So what would you say to like a up and coming artist, producer who's new to the industry, who's hungry, uh, since it's an entirely different landscape than when you first started, do you like have any um, advice for them on how to start building their first relationship? Well, you know, we in a, right now we in a microwave society where everybody wanted bing right now. So they wanted to be, they want it right now, right? So, you know, uh, if you're a new artist or a new producer coming in, my my suggestion would be go find as many acapellas of the of the greats as you can and do remixes. Like remix Michael Jackson bad. You know what I'm saying? And 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 and, re, and then put out a a, a mixtape, you know, on on because you no know, mixtapes you don't get paid for. You know what I mean? So right. at, the, at the end of the day, if you're not collecting money, it's just out. You can put it out. You know what I mean? And so I would do that. I would do. I would take remixes of Mike, Jay Z, anybody that got acapellas, do you know, show, to showcase my beat style. Now, um, it could be trash. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> or it could it could win for you. But if you study in the greats. Uh, the great, like if you're in a producer, then you should know who No ID is. You should know who Just Blaze is. You should know who Mantronics is or Dr. Dre, like all the top producers in the game, Timbo. You should know who they are and you should imp- incorporate some of their musical styles or way of programming in your thing so that you can be efficient. Even if you got to, I remember one time when I started producing, um, I wanted to see if I can re- reproduce that beat. So I cut all the sounds up, had the same piece, and I programmed exactly the same beat you know what i mean so what that helped me do was understand okay programming this is this is the this is the eight count this is the four count this is where they switched up like i got to learn and then once i learned the the formatting of beats then i was able to add my own flair and before you know it i had my own sound you know so as an artist i mean as a producer that's what i would do study the greats mirror beats mimic beats see if you can uh, if, if you can get them down you know what I mean? And then until you find you. And as a as a, a songwriter, study the greats. Look at the metaphors of JC. You know what I'm saying? Look at the metaphors of 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 of, of uh, Kendrick. You know, or if uh, look at the writing style of Beyonce. You know what I mean? These are the things that's going to help you become better because they write hits. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So that's what I would do. Study the hit writers so that you and then you know pen a record just like Beyonce. Find their melodies. You know what I mean? And then that way you'll know how to you'll know how to uh, put melodies in place. You know how to put harmonies in place. You know how to put ad libs like these are the tools that help you. Um, I can I can refer to uh, Karate Kid, the first one. Where he's like wax on, wax off. He's like, why am I out here washing cars? Well, he's teaching you, you know, what I'm saying your, your moves. <laughs> so it's like, why am I copying Beyonce? Why am I copying Dre? Because now you learning how, how the, you know, it'll be in your head on how to beat the flow of the beat's supposed to go. And then now when you got that pattern, you'll be able to just plug in your instruments. You see what I'm saying? Right, yeah. So as far as like new up and coming producers, I know a lot of them 
um, are wanting to know their rights, their copyrights, what they're entitled to and what they're owed. Uh, we kind of touched on the masters and your perspective on that, but uh, how did you learn about your copyrights? Did you hire a lawyer and they explained it to you when you were new in the game or did you uh, self-learn that stuff yourself? Well, I self-learned um, before I even became an executive. So I understood what I was, I wanted to be sure that I understood the nuances that govern the music business. And I wanted to make sure that when I make a decision, it's because I made that decision, not because I didn't know. And so I would just say, if you're an artist or if you're a producer, or if you're a songwriter, go understand the business, learn the business. And that's just, you know, and there's a bunch of YouTubes, there's a bunch of books out there that give you the tutorial on the business. So at the end of the day, um, learn it. But that don't mean you have to go into every meeting and go, I ain't giving up this. Oh, I'm keeping that. Because then you shoot yourself in the foot. You got to keep in mind that the music business is designed to get over on you. Period. And if you understand that, then you can operate in it. So right. me, I go in. It's almost like walking into a jungle full of snakes and you got the antivenom. You already know you're going to get bit. You just need to be able to survive that but not reciprocate. You know what I mean? Because what I, what, I, what I find is that these dudes that get, or these females that get, a, uh, get, get taken in the music business, then they all of a sudden start taking people. Mm -hmm. Versus you see the negatives, you see what's wrong. And as you gain the position of power or of, of authority, you have the power to change these things, to change that. A lot of them don't do it because they now realize, oh, you can make a lot of money in this. Yeah, you can, but you know, then you put your life in jeopardy. Right. Because yeah. when people start yeah. finding out that, you, you know, you've taken from them and they not eating and you are, oh, that becomes a, that becomes a real problem. Mm -hmm. And do you think like people who do that too soon in their career in music who aren't established enough to even be able to try and do what these big record labels do? Do you think they get blackballed, per se, or people, you know, cut them out because the industry is pretty small? So. Uh, have you seen things like that where people try to get over on people and they find out and then people know they're not reputable? Yeah, I've seen that, but I've seen it handled differently, though. I've seen it handled in in ways that is not for television. Right. You know what I'm saying? When people find out what's going on, oh, it become real problems. But the thing about it is <clears throat> people always worried about they, they, uh, they publishing. They always worried about you know, they write, they, they masters. At the end of the day, none of that matters if you don't have a hit record. Right. You know what I'm saying? So at the bottom line is, in, in order, it, it, before, you're not going to collect the royalties you think you're going to collect if your record ain't smashing. So right. I went in with the mentality that I need hits. So if I get a couple of hits under my belt, not sure if I take that L as far as from a publishing standpoint, but I got hits. So now people know me as a hit maker. So now I get to collect, you see what I'm saying? Because I sacrificed a few records so that I can get put in the, in the space where people go, well, who that? Mm -hmm. Let's get him. You know what I mean? So that's one of the things, go learn the business, but understand the business in the sense that everything's negotiable. Right, yeah. You know? And I think people, uh look at like publishing deals and label deals and they don't understand like the terms of leverage like what the publisher is offering you like you said as far as exposure and that in itself is its own leverage 
Yeah, and, and even with publishing deals, about understanding. So um, you may get a deal that say, yo, we want you to write 10 songs at 100%, you know what I mean? And we're going to give you $100,000. So a creator might be like, oh, I can do that with no problem. But then you got to take into consideration that they said 10 songs at 100%, right? So when you, when you, when you think 10 songs, that means you would have to own 100% of 10 songs. And we know that in the music business, the producer gets a percentage. You know what I mean? Anybody that's written on the record with you gets a percentage. So you might end up with 50% or 33%. So even if it's, if it's 33%, you gotta take, uh, uh, you know, you have to, ha in, you have to have, what was it 33? So if you got 33, you need at least four songs to make 100%, wow. three songs. You see what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. so that three songs turn into 30. Right. <laughs> Turn into 40, actually, because it's not, I think 33 and third is like 99.99, something like that. Right. So those 10 songs now turn into 30 songs or 30. You, you probably need 35 songs to adhere to that hundred grand, which right. now be is like, whoa, hold up. <laughs> so I got to do 35 records in order to to complete this publishing situation. So I just say educate yourself when it comes to publishing educate yourself when it comes to music licensing um because uh, a lot of people when even when it comes to music licensing you know licensing companies are taking like 50 percent right of a version though they're not taking 50 percent of your record they're taking the 50 percent of the version that they register on your behalf to land you in a movie most people don't want to do that deal mm -hmm. and i say why not because you ain't got nothing you don't have no hits right. You can't dictate the terms. You know what exactly. I mean? So get on that movie. Get on that TV show. Yeah, they say 0% of zero is zero. <laughs> oh, wait, I think I said that wrong. 100% of zero is still zero. That's the same. Facts. <laughs> but yeah. yeah um, and, you know, because at the end of the day, you give yourself opportunities to win. So if you take a licensing situation and you land on, like for this movie, we didn't get no upfront check. They was like, do y'all want to be on? We'll give you publishing the points. You know, normally uh, in, in that time, they was cutting movie checks for like 30,000, 40,000, you know, and to be, you know, included. But it was like, we took the gamble and it paid off, you right. know? So that's my, suge my suggestion is read, learn the music business, yes, but don't go in wanting the world. Just go in understanding what you're getting yourself into and have the anti-venom ready right yeah because you're gonna get bit <laughs> yeah uh, i had a lawyer on the show two episodes ago and he was basically saying uh nothing that the label gives you is just like a nice thing that they're doing there's always a meaning behind everything well not only that the label's alone it's a loan they're right. giving you a loan a high interest loan your advance yep that's no, the whole deal itself. So you may sign a deal for 300,000 and then they'll say 150,000 goes per, towards production, another 100,000 go towards um, marketing, and then we're gonna give you $25,000 bonus. So you still, you're responsible for that 300 grand, right? Even though you may only get 50,000 of it. Mm -hmm. And then they turn around and pay, you know, if they're, if they're um, picking out your producers well guess what they pay your producers with your money you know they pay your your features with your money so at right. the end of the day you know but you just have to know that that's how that works 
and 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 uh and I guess pay your dues in the sense of you know uh if you're trying to get on with a major. Now if you're doing it independently, you still gonna have to spend some money. Right. You just gonna have to spend your money, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So that's essentially the leverage that the label has that otherwise you would have to spend that money out of pocket and they're paying it for you in advance of although you pay it back with interest essentially yeah but they and they, but they control the outlets too so if you're trying to go to radio if you well they come in and flood radio with a bunch of cash your record gets it's it's like on lowest on the totem pole even though by law if you cut if you call a station and request the record they have to play that record oh really if it's in the database by law i didn't know that yeah so whenever you you just make sure that they have it in their database and be like, yo, I want to hear this record. And if not, the F- you can you can write reach out to the FCC and they'll be fine for that. Oh wow. So if I have a record, I'm calling a hundred times a day, like, can you play this record? <laughs> Is there yeah. like a limit? Is there a cap? <laughs> but that's how the labels do it. They have like 12, 20 different people call within the hour. Please, 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 please. Oh. Now all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Wow. See, you're giving away game. <laughs> So uh, I kind of wanted to talk about you do G3 radio. Uh, can you kind of talk about that and where you guys air and what you. So well, you know, uh, God's House of Hip Hop Radio is uh, we partner with Dash Radio. So we're powered by Dash. Um, the Dash platform has about 15 million listeners a month, 15 plus, maybe more. Um, and we have about 350,000 uh, listeners a month. And so it's a commercial free. Um, and so, and, and, it's, and it has like 80 plus uh, tastemakers. So whether it be Snoop Dogg's station, uh, Young Money station to Oscar De La Hoya, <clears throat> a lot of people got, uh, as far as inf- even uh, Jenner, uh, what's the young one? Uh, Kylie? Kylie? Yeah, so she's on. Um, yeah, she has a station, but we're the uh, second largest station on the platform. So, and we're the first to bring uh, Dash a, a, an award uh, in Amazing. radio. So, what do you guys cover? Do you like bring on guests? Yeah, uh, like I said, we have twenty-two shows. So we have a Latin show that that pretty much goes after Latin Christian hip hop, but we have an old school throwback show that comes on every Wednesday with DJ I Rock Jesus. And he pretty much playing all the classics uh, from from the Christian hip hop space. And then we got a husband and wife duo that comes on every Friday. We got new music, so we got it's it's a, a variety of different things. You can tune in uh, any given day and catch uh, catch something. I think today's Wednesday, so you'll catch um, DJ I Rock Jesus with the uh, with 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 his uh, his his little gift. And then uh, the Fresh Leftovers come on a little later on today. So. Nice. Awesome. Uh, so you're executive producer of the Jammies. Can you talk about that and what's that been like? Yeah, I'm actually one of the creators as well. So I, I created the Jammies, uh, co-created the Jammies, uh, and I'm also executive producer along with uh, co-music supervisor. And then I co-star in it. So <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I played the uh, character uh, novelist in that. And so um, it was the first African-American animated music series on Netflix. Um, and then we since have since gone over to Amazon Prime, Apple TV, uh, Comcast, XOD, and uh, Tubi, I guess. Uh, and so 
uh, we have our stars is like uh, Darius McCrary from Family Matters. We got Kel Mitchell. We had uh, rest in peace Debo who died. Uh, rest in peace Uncle Phil from The Fresh Prince who died. He's in it as well. We also have uh, um, Kyla Pratt. Um, we also have, um, man, it's a whole lot of people. And Yo-Yo, Curtis Blow. Like we have a lot of people in it. And it's a, it's a pretty unique uh, music, car, uh, music show that deals with five kids from the suburbs and their whole uh, aspirations is to be the next hip hop, R&B hip hop stars. So they sing, dance and rap, but they deal with life every day um, as teens, you know, uh, preteens going into the uh, school. So we deal, with, we, we, we deal with bullying, we deal with obesity, we deal with self-awareness, we deal with everything that the, the kids go through. We just put it in a way that's, uh, that resonates with them without it being preachy. Right. So how do you think representation uh, affects people's path that they take, like in their careers and everything? Like you said, you were the first Black Netflix animated series. So what's your view on that? Well, I mean, think of it from this standpoint. Now, look how look how urban Netflix has turned. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, not just from the Black comedy that's there, but I don't know if you up on the Nollywood movies that are there. You know, and uh, the Nollywood movies are, are are something else. It show black excellence, and I just was like, "Yo, you know, it's because you know all my life when you think of Africa, Nollywood is Nigerian Hollywood." For those mm-hmm. who's wondering what I'm talking about, so Netflix has these Nigerian Hollywood uh, movies, and like you, each movie you see these dudes pulling up in Lamborghinis, Bugattis, you know what I mean? And I'm like, they rocking these fly suits, or you know, and it be. You know, it'd be, it, it, it just, I'd be like, wait, hold up. What, am I watching this right? You know, they, they come, like, they are fluent, you know, bougie, got money, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's real, real dope. So I recommend if you watch any Nollywood movies, the first movie to watch is The Merry Men 2. Watch that first and then watch the setup and you'll be hooked on Nollywood. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I just felt like even with us, when we went to Netflix and, and it was hard for our cartoon because they put certain restrictions on us when it came to marketing and whatever. Won't go into that, but there was restrictions, which is why the cartoon didn't really flourish like it could. But we had to go to other avenues uh, to try to uh, put that in the marketplace. So now we're going to revamp it uh, for 2021 and it's going to be a good situation. Amazing. Yes, I will definitely tune in. That's exciting. Uh, so can you kind of talk about what you're working on now and your upcoming albums, things like that? <clears throat> so yeah, I'm, I'm getting ready to retire from the music business, not the music, I'm, as an artist. I'm still gonna be in the business as an executive. Um, so in my, I guess you wanna call it Swan song, I'm doing three albums. So next year, it's a trilogy. I got an album coming out called Iron Dove and Iron Dove is gonna have a trilogy uh, three parts. So the first part is called the beginning, which deals with, uh, you know, Christ, you know, being a Christian on the West Coast. The second part is called 1919, which is deals in the uh, Book of Revelations, 1919, Gideon's War. <clears throat> so it's me, um, yes, me going to war with uh, some of the mainstream stuff that you see happening and using some of my friends on there to go with it. And then the uh, third piece is called Kumbaya. So that's going to be like your big gospel records that you hear from like a Kurt Franklin or a Tamala Mann or, 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 you know what I mean? So like the big, big records I'm going to save uh, for the third part. And then I'm filming a movie to go with all of it. So um, the album, the first 
three albums to come out and then the trilogy will come out in November with a movie. So that's one. I'm also the executive director for and co-founder of uh, 2020 Summerfest, which is a uh, festival here in Los Angeles that's going to be taking place at the uh, 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 Bank of California Stadium, which is the MLS uh, LA Football Club soccer stadium. So we're going to be there. We have 75 artists coming out. Um, you can, it's going to be wild. We're getting ready to announce new dates in January. We're going to be one of the first festivals to come back on. Um, and we're looking forward to you know, our presentation and, and, and watching how that changes up things. And uh, I mentioned the radio station and I mentioned the book. So, you know, I've got my hands in a few things. <laughs> a lot of um, things, We got a TV yeah. show that we're going to be announcing in February. So yeah, stay tuned for that. Amazing. Yeah. So so how do you balance all of those things that you're doing? Um, so I'm a Phi Beta Sigma member. Shout out to the Blue <laughs> Phi in the building. Um, and one of the things they teach us uh, or we learned is that time management is essential to anything in life. So for me, it's, it's a time management thing. I figure out um, what, what is really important, like right at this moment to what, is, what, what can be handled two hours from now or six hours from now or whatever. So I prioritize, but I still apply myself. That's good advice. Uh, so just to kind of wrap it up on a good point, uh, do you think your trilogy that you're coming out with um, is also a sort of representation of your life with it starting here, like having uh, this max points and then kind of going into the big gospel thing, all of those are your album concepts. Do you feel like that's also a reflection of what you've been through in your life? Yeah, um, it's going to have those elements in it. It's also going to have the elements in it where people mistake Christians for you know, uh, the wrong way. Like they feel like once you become saved, like all of a sudden you got to walk on roses and you can't do this and you can't do that. When well, ain't nobody perfect, you know what I'm saying? And um, and if you really think about it, we weren't. You know, if you know, I don't know if people believe, you know, some people may have different beliefs, but in my belief system, um, if you think about it. We, it was designed that way. Once, once they feel like we were in sin, Jesus died on the cross for our sins and our sins to come. It wasn't just like he just died for that day. He did die for the, for, for the things that we were going to do. So my model has always been to strive for perfection so that I limit my mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes, but if you're constantly striving for perfection, you'll limit those mistakes. You see what I'm right. saying? And so for me, that's, that's, the, uh, the, that's the balancing act is striving, and, and doing that. And then um, in my music, um, I'm implementing, you know, in, implementing some of the things I learned, but at the same time, pointing out some of the things that people, you know, people got it misconstrued. You know, Christians aren't, aren't, aren't boring. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, I mean, heck, if you look at rap, if you go <laughs> to the foundations of rap, it was, uh, was it three percenters, five percenters? So it started with as a conscious movement. Right. So when you think about the beginnings of rap, it started as a conscious movement. So at the bottom line, I don't think we're doing anything different. It's just that everybody has their own little form. For me, it's just a matter of, 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 of in my music, making it, you know, just giving you my insight on what I see, what I've learned, what I've heard, and here's how you can win. Right. Yeah. I think that's such an important part of artistry, like your unique voice and perspective of everything. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on. I was so excited for this call. Uh, you share so much wisdom and you could tell why you're at the top right now. So um, I'm <laughs> looking forward to uh, watching your show, seeing what else you have up and coming. And yeah, thank you for coming on the show.